Church. My name is Bobby, and we're so glad that you're here today. If you're a first-time guest, 
welcome. Thank you for coming to worship with us today. In the uh, chair back in front of you is a small connection card. And if it is your first time and would not mind filling that out, and uh, you can do two things with it. You can place it in the offering plate just a little bit later on in the service, or you can hang on to it to the end of the service. And some of our staff will be meeting right back here by the uh, exit. And we have a special gift for all of our first-time guests. So you can do either thing. You can drop it in the offering plate, or we'd love to meet you back there. On the same card, you can uh, turn that over and write down your prayer requests and know that your staff will be praying through each and every one of those prayer requests this week. We are really glad you're here. It feels like fall outside. There's sunshine, and we're ready to sing praises to God. Amen? Amen. All right. Well, let's stand together, say hello to the people around us, and we will continue to worship together. Thank you. 
ushers come forward this morning. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you for this day and this time and opportunity we can come before you and worship this morning. Father, as we come to this time of worship where we give of our tithes and our offerings to you, Father, I pray that we would give with an overflowing heart. And God, I pray for Brother Jeff as he comes here in a few, as he presents your word before us this morning. I pray that, um, that you would just allow our hearts and our ears to be open to the word that you have before us this morning. Thank you so much for sending your son, Christ Jesus, to come to this earth and to die for our sins. And it's in his sweet name we pray. Amen. Let your light shine. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. We're glad that, uh, I know you're glad that you've come today. I'm glad you've come. Excited how the Lord's already at work this morning. I'm going to ask you if you would, would you please stand for a moment? We're going to read our verse today. And uh, with or without the Bible, I wonder if you would, uh, wonder if you would read along with me. 
Romans chapter 14 and verse 13. We will read it aloud together. Are you ready? Therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. How about one more time? Therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. Romans 14, 13. Would you remain standing while we pray together? Gracious Heavenly Father, as we come to you now, we thank you that we can come and we can stand before you and know that we have a God that loves and cares for us. We pray that because of the love that you have bestowed in each one of us, that uh, we're able to love one another. We pray that it might be overflowing and in abundance. We thank you, Father, for our church. We thank you for this Sunday morning to be able to come and join you in worship. We thank you for the praise that have been lifted. We pray, Father, that even as we have sung, we know that things are well because Jesus Christ lives in each one of us. We know that in, we have needs in our hearts and our minds that we can turn over to you now. We pray that we may do that. We, Father... We pray even now we may come confessing our sin, our inadequacies, our wrong choices that we've made. And we are thankful that we can stand in a right relationship and fellowship with you. We pray also, Father, that we might be able to let our light shine so that other believers, those outside the church, might be able to see Jesus in us. And now I pray, Father, for our time together today. Now may the words of my mouth, the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. The precious name of the Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen. And amen, you may be seated. We are in Romans chapter 14, and now, if you'd like to, if you haven't already found it, we'd love for you to find Romans chapter 14, and we're going to be looking at some of those verses and some of those as well, maybe particularly today. I'd love for you to be able to see some of these verses. If you have been with us consistently at all in the past few months, you have read, or at least you have heard read, almost every chapter in and verse in Romans chapters 1 through 13. Maybe not every chapter and every verse that we've read. We've read every chapter, maybe not every single verse. Well, today we've read one verse together aloud. We're going to look at some of the other verses, but I want to encourage you to read at some point, maybe later on or in the next few days or this week, sometimes Romans chapter 14 through the first part of Romans 15 as we continue our trek through this great book and understand, of course, what is being taught here will be some verses we'll look at and they'll even be there on the screen for us. Paul has a way of most of his letters in which he began maybe with a very general part but very important doctrinal teaching in which he would share and then he would get to the very practical things that we would be able to apply across the board and then in most of his letters he goes to the very specific things that he needs to address for that particular church such as the church of Corinth. There was a man, a person in the church, perhaps even a leader in the church, who was having relationships with his stepmother. And Paul needed to address that particular and address the church and say that they needed to take care of that. In the church of Thessalonica, there were some gossips and some busybodies. And apparently Paul felt like that they had too much time on their hands. And that's where he said, if a person is not going to work, let them not eat. In fact, he said, you folks need to, get, need to work harder so that you don't have as much time to gossip. Paul wasn't afraid of calling out names. Forever, the names of Euodia and Syntyche will forever be known in the church of Philippi as two women who could not get along. And he had to write to them and he had to tell them, get over yourselves and move on. 
here we find in the church of Rome, there's a particular controversy that's happening, maybe a division that's taking place. And it's the meat eaters versus the vegetarians. Yes, that was a thing even then. The meat eaters versus the vegetarians. It's kind of summarized maybe there in chapter 14 in verse 2. It says where it says one person believes that he may eat anything while the weak person eats only vegetables. Controversy. Now, i got to tell you, I know pretty much what side of this would be on. I like vegetables just fine, but I'd have a hard time giving up that barbecue and the grilled steak and that Baptist bird along the way. Of course, it wasn't just about what they felt like was good for health. It was depend on well, because of what was happening in the church. At least two groups were coming to the church. There were Jewish people coming into the church who realized that Jesus Christ was the Messiah, and they had turned and believed in Jesus. And then there were pagan Gentiles who come from a totally different lifestyle of what was happening. And so some were not eating meat because of the Jewish dietary laws as spelled out in the Old Testament. You might remember Daniel in the Old Testament that he would not eat off of the king's table because of the Jewish dietary law. But also, there was also meat that was in the marketplace in those days, and particularly in Rome, that had been offered to pagan idols. And they did not feel that they needed to eat the meat that had been offered to idols. And since they did not know which meat, though I think it was supposed to be marked, they didn't eat any meat at all. And they condemned anybody else who ate such meat. Well, believe it or not, it was the meat eaters who were considered the more mature of the two groups or the ones who needed to take maybe greater responsibility. And in Christ, they no longer lived by the Jewish law. The Gentiles, they didn't have any problem with it anyway, but... For the more mature, even Jewish believer, they would have discovered that Jesus declared all foods clean. But you might remember even the Apostle Paul, excuse me, the Apostle Peter had a hard time accepting this. Even though Peter had heard it from Jesus' own mouth, it was later that Peter saw, had to see the same vision three times of the food coming down on the sheet where Jesus said that all food was declared clean. Tradition. Background and upbringing are hard to change. But for many, what was it to them that some ate meat offered to pagan idols? After all, an idol is just a piece of stone or a piece of wood. But the meat eaters despised or belittled the vegetarians for having such strong beliefs. And the vegetarians judged too harshly those who ate meat, which may or may not have been offered idols. Now, same group of people probably also, talked about in chapter 14, had a problem with the holy days what holidays they were going to celebrate and consider sacred. And, of course, those coming out of a Jewish background, they'd consider the Jewish holidays as outlined in the Old Testament as being sacred. They wouldn't understand why their fellow believers, though they were Gentile, would not come along and practice the same thing. Some of this was growing pains for the first century church, but we have similar debates even today. Now, these may have been larger controversies in the life of the early church than today, but these verses... Well, you know, they're not intended to be guidelines, particularly about the meat eaters and the vegetarians on the healthfulness of eating meats and vegetables. But it does help us to understand that the church does not need to be known as a place of controversy and contention, but a place where brothers and sisters have unity in Christ. Though there may be diversity in some convictions, if God has received others into the family of God, so should we. I want you to notice if you've got your Bibles open, the section that we're talking about, and the reason we only read one verse aloud so far, it is from chapter 14 and verse 1 to chapter 15 and verse 7. But notice the word welcome that is used in that 
chapter 14, 1 and 15, 7. Chapter 14, 1 reads like this. As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but do not quarrel over opinions. And then chapter 15 and verse 7, it says, Therefore, welcome one another as Christians has welcomed you for the glory of God. Just want you to be able to see the word welcome there. These, it, it brackets all the verses that deals with this particular controversy that was taking place. But may it help us to remember, particularly with the word welcome, may we put out the welcome mat to anyone that the Lord Jesus has welcomed and have Christ-like attitude toward others. Now, you may have already noticed in your notes, if you take a look at such things, we've got uh, some graphics there. and appreciate our office staff when I say, can we do a graphic for this particular thing? And they've come out pretty good. We've got some stumbling blocks and some stepping stones to help us as we look at three of the stumbling blocks to avoid. These are not necessarily stumbling blocks to you, though they may be, but these are ways in which we are not stumbling blocks to others as we take a look at those. And then we got three stepping stones. These are ways that you and I might be an encouragement and actually help others to find their way and make good choices. I, I have found these that are going to be spelled out here in the Scripture that these are good for the family of God. They're good for the church, and that's the intention. But they're also good. They're good for your home. They're good for your family. They're good for those in your sphere of influence, and they're good for the community as well for us to be able to practice and avoid the stumbling blocks and look for the stepping stones. If it's true that we are to truly care for others because Christ cared and welcomed us, then well, we want to learn the best way to do that. So I want to whet your appetite even now, and I hope that you want to at least... Well, I'd like to... What's the best way that we can be able to help others and not be a hindrance to others as well? So here's the first stepping stone. Excuse me. Let's start with a stumbling block. This is the first stumbling block that you want to avoid. We're going to call it the self-blinded stumbling block. Self-blinded. This is the stone that causes people not to see anything beyond themselves. The person who has tripped over this stone, does not see or does not care how their, effects, their actions affect anyone but themselves. We tell our children sometimes for safety's sake, be sure to be aware of your surroundings. Did you ever tell your children or your parents ever tell you that? Be aware of your surroundings. Well, we always want to be aware of how our actions and our attitudes affect others. The person whose focus is only on themselves will be blind to those around them or they will prove true that they do not care, choose not to care. The, the first half of this chapter, maybe the verses 1 through 12 in chapter 14, they're dedicated to tell the people not to judge others over matters of conviction that are not spelled out in the Word of God. But there's one thing that we are to judge and that we are to resolve. In fact, we read verse 13 a minute, minute ago. Literally says, do not judge others anymore, but judge this. Determined not to be a stumbling block or a cause for a brother or sister to fall. And Paul declares twice in this passage that all foods are clean. And Jesus has said it in the Gospels. Peter saw it in a vision, declared all food clean. Now, Paul says it, but that was not the real issue. The real issue was how the stronger believers were not helping the weaker believers handle their conviction and how the weaker did not need to be offended by what others were doing in matters of conviction not spelled out in Scripture. Instead of helping, they were, though, becoming stumbling blocks to their faith, maybe even on both sides. But I want you to, I want you to notice the phrase in verse 13, and that's our key passage here. kind of summarizes what's taking place. In verse 13 it says, depending on your translation, one translation says, make up your mind or decide. 
Decide that you want to be a help and not hindrance. Now, I believe that for the most part, most of us in here, we, we want to do that which is the right thing. But what is that? Well, make up your mind that I don't, I don't want to be a stumbling block to my family. I don't want to be a stumbling block to the church or the community and watch out for the self-blinded stone. I must think about how my actions and my words affect others. And notice Romans chapter 14, verse 7. I think we had that on the screen as well. It says, For none of us lives to himself, and none of us dies to himself. Now, we're to read that verse out of context. In other words, just take that verse to ourselves. We might be reminded of the English poet John Donne that began that maybe, the, maybe one of the more famous poems that says, No man is an island. With the idea that we're all a part of the whole and that we're all part of one another and part of mankind. And we understand that. We know that that's true. But in the context of what's being said, the verse gives just a little bit different perspective. Verse 8 of Romans chapter 14 says this, For if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So then whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. Yes, we're to be aware of others and watch out for others, want to help each other. But there's only one way to do that correctly. And that's to keep your focus on Jesus. You belong to Christ. And because you belong to Christ, you're aware of others' needs. And you're no longer blind to the best way to serve others and to help others. You can decide. You can make up your mind that you don't want to be a stumbling block any longer. Take your focus off of self. But don't just decide what you think is best for others on your own. Be sure that it's because of your relationship and because you put your focus on Jesus. But also, there's the stone that we need to watch out for. That's the one that majors on the minors. That's the focusing on things that are not as important. Now, I'll sometimes use this phrase when talking about certain things or maybe certain differences. We'll say, well, we'll, say, well that's not necessarily a test of faith or fellowship. In other words, we are still believers and get along in Christ because it doesn't necessarily determine a difference of our faith and doesn't keep us from having fellowship. Verse 17 says in chapter 4 says that the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking. To emphasize the trivial matters is to be in danger of getting a wrong impression about the Christian life and what really matters. Churches become divided all the time about over things that do not matter or really insignificant of the Christian faith. How many pianos should there be on a stage at one time? What chairs should go, color chairs could go in any room? What's the color of the carpet? How do you feel about so are we getting a little bit too close here? Here's, here's the biggest shock in all of the New Testament. Are you ready for this? Food is not all that important. It's not me. It's the Bible. It's telling us here. It's not all. If someone were to watch us, though, as a church for a few months and maybe not listen or we not say anything and they just watch us and we're going to determine what is the important part of what we do, what would they consider that? Well, whenever we get together, we're going to have a new members class. Whenever we're going to have a training on Sunday afternoon, whenever we're going to get together on this particular time or that particular time, what's the first question that is going to ask? What are we going to eat? Who's going to bring the potato salad? Uh, you know, it's uh, one of our, you need to understand, and here's a secret perhaps. I don't really care if you eat or not. We, we have some of these things so that you might be here. We have, our purpose of our Wednesday night supper that we have. Now, 
it is a convenience for those. You've got a busy day, you come in and eat, and you can be a part of the activities and things happen on Wednesday night. It is also for fellowship and so the participation. We want more people to be able to participate. And uh, if, uh, the fellowship part, of, every now and then someone will come to me because that Wednesday night fellowship, that Wednesday night fellowship meal, it's really the only thing happening in the week that anybody can come to. I mean, you can come, of course, to anything, but we have Sunday school in different classes. We have two different worship services. We have activities on Sunday afternoon that are happening for the age groups in different classes. We have, my goodness, four ladies' Bible studies and four men's Bible studies as well as other Bible studies that are happening. But the only thing we say, here's the one thing you come to that anyone can come to. But every now and then someone will come and say, we got so many new people in our church Shouldn't we have something, let's have something where we can all meet and greet one another. And they'll say, how about a meal for somebody? I think, I think we do that every Wednesday night. And so that's usually somebody that either does not come, or when they do come, they only sit with people in their Sunday school class. I'm just saying, it just happens. Sometimes you might, just kind of a side issue maybe that's happening. But we have that for fellowship. But notice this verse, Proverbs 13 and verse 25. Here's how it says it from the Living Bible. The good man eats to live, while the evil man lives to eat. Mainly we do not want to major on things when people are much more important. Verse 14, the last part of Romans chapter 14, verse 15 says this, do not destroy with your food the ones for whom Christ died. People are more important. He didn't die for food or traditions or buildings. Christ gave his life for people. So we should be willing to consider others as well. This does not mean that it does not matter how a person lives or that we overlook sin. Some actions and attitudes do matter. I was talking to one couple who were living together but not married. And they wanted to talk to me about joining the church. And so they asked me the question. They said, uh, they said Preacher, we used to go to that church across town and over there, they said, uh, they said what we were doing was living in sin. Preacher, what do you think? Not the first time I've been asked that question or something similar. And I said, well, I said, it doesn't matter quite as much as what I think, but how do you think God feels about it? And almost without hesitation, said, well, I guess he's not real pleased. And at least began to open the door to maybe some discussion where if you're believers in Christ, what is it that you need to do next? We know that what God thinks matters because what is spelled out in God's Word. Now, the outcome is not always that amicable. Same question asked, but a different situation. Man was living with a man in an alternative relationship, a professing believer. And so he asked me in the conversation, he says, well, what do you think, preacher? I posed the same question. I said, well, it matters little what I think, but, what, but it does matter what God thinks. How do you think God feels about your relationship? And the answer was... Well, I think he's coming around. Well, in our conversation, at least he was open to discussion and open to listening. I had to explain to him that God does not evolve. He does not change. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. His standards do not change. But he loves you, and that does not change. And God has a plan for you. And regardless, for those of us who have stepped out of God's standards and God's will, I can guarantee you God has a better something in mind. He has a better life and better purpose and more meaning. Outside of God's plan leads to a dead end and a destructive life. I never saw him again. Listen, 
I know I may could have handled that in many other situations much better, and I'm still learning because we're all sinners and there are not degrees of sin, but the difference is being repentant and unrepentant sin. Don't major on the minors, but the good news of the gospel, the truth is clearly found in God's Word, is not a minor but a major. Let's speak the truth in love, and may God give us discernment and wisdom to distinguish the difference between what is important when to speak up and when to allow the differences of opinion on minor issues fall by the wayside. But may you and I always show mutual honor and respect for one another. We honor God by remembering that we're serving and helping people, not ourselves on trivial matters. Another stumbling block can be over-expectation. The over-expectation stumbling block. That's expecting everyone to think and act and feel just like you do. Now, there are some things in the church that we must and should agree on that are the basics of our faith. Jesus Christ is the way and the only way. He came in the flesh and lived and died for us and rose again the third day. We know that we are only saved by grace through faith. We must turn, turn from our sins and ask Christ to forgive us of our sins and accept Jesus to be our Savior and Lord. And all those who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And we believe in the infallible, inerrant Word of God to be true for today and tomorrow and forever. But there are some areas we don't have to agree on. Notice in verse 1, again, chapter 14, it says, Don't quarrel over opinions. So this chapter deals with matters that are not necessarily basic to the faith. and In other words, there are some things that we can disagree on and still fellowship together and serve Christ together. We can agree to disagree on some things. Churches often get in trouble when they disagree on disputable matters. Those things that are not basic to our faith. But each side usually expects the other to feel the same way they do. Now, we'll talk about some more examples, but... I, started to give you a long list of maybe those things that were the disputable matters and give those to you today. But my fear was that if I gave you that list that you might not agree that these were all disputable matters or not. And then the list would become the undisputable matter. Are you understanding what I'm saying? So if you need more examples than given today, feel free to come and see me anytime. Student asked me, I don't even know if they would ask, some years ago, student asked me one day, college student said, is it okay for Christians to dance? You know, Southern Baptists have usually frowned upon dancing. Well, we talked about that a little bit. The psalmist talked about dancing in praise and worship. We know that David danced unto the Lord. Ecclesiastes even says that there's a time to dance. And I told her, I said, but you'd have to agree with me. There are some dances that you don't have to be a theologian or even a rocket surgeon to be smart enough to know that God's not going to please with that kind of dancing. I said, the other problem is, is also some of the places that where you choose to dance may not be the places where you should take Jesus. And I think she was a little defensive at my answer and said, well, I can take him to the places that I go to dance. And said, oh, well, good. We talked again later when she told me she went out one night to the places that you go to dance. A boy that she'd not met before asked her if she would dance and she was determined to prove that she could take Jesus anywhere. And so this is just what happened. She, oh, she's dancing. She asked him, are you a Christian? And he said, no, I'm not a Christian. And I guess also to continue the conversation, she, he looked at her and said, are you a Christian? She said, yes, I'm a Christian. And his reply was, then what are you doing here? And when she got home that night, she decided maybe the question was not, could she take Jesus with her? 
But there may be places Jesus may not want her to go. And Christ must take priority always. But don't expect everyone, even every believer, to feel the same way. Notice verse 16 of Romans chapter 14. It says this, Do not allow what you consider good to be spoken of as evil. Do not allow what you consider good to be spoken of as evil. Now, don't misapply this verse. Don't make it to say, don't let anyone say anything bad about what you believe or how you feel. But the context tells us, and by not over-expecting and agreeing to disagree, others will not speak evil about what you know is good about your faith. Let me say it another way. We know that we're a diverse group of people. Let's talk about politics for just a moment. No, let's not talk about politics. There might be a number of subjects that we would have a wide variety of opinions, but we agree on the basics. But we choose to focus on what we agree on because there's too many people living across the street and down the road and across town and even around the world who will die and be separated from God forever without knowing Jesus if we focus on the things that we disagree on, the things that may or may not matter. So we're, we're not the church that cannot agree on anything. We are the church in spite of our diversity. We're to be a testimony of a loving people and being on a mission from God. I, I still want you to be able to get this. Let's say it like this. If we're self-blinded, if we major on the minors, if we all respect everyone to believe and feel the same way that we do on convictions that are not spelled out on God's Word, God's word we'll miss out on the good, important stuff that people need to know about Jesus. Not too long ago, I saw a program that featured uh, two brothers that do 85% of the implosions of buildings. Let's see if we have a picture of one of those. That was meant to fall down, by the way. Uh, Oh, well, we got it more than once. See how many times we have it. This is my first time to see it. I said, can we see it beforehand? No, I don't think I don't know how to do that. We'll have to do it. So we got it. But they're called implosions and not explosions because they're destroyed and collapsed from within. One point that they brought out said it could take 100 men a year and millions of dollars to build this building and we can bring it down in four seconds. The Lord spends your whole Christian life, growing you and me and the people around us to be like Jesus, maturing us in the faith. We want to be sure that we're not the stumbling stone in our home, church, and community that in a matter of moments could lead others astray or cause others to become weak or cause them to be <coughs> offended. We're going to be far from perfect, but let's at least make up our minds, decide that we want to be the stepping stones and pave the way for the people we love and care about to draw close to Jesus and to grow in their faith. So there's some stepping stones, and we'll give you these a little bit quicker. And the first one is this, walking in love. Whatever we do must be motivated by our love for the Lord Jesus and our love for others. Don't we keep coming back to this time and time again? Romans chapter 13, just last week, we saw where Paul was talking about our greatest motivation, why be good and he said, love thy neighbor. All the commandments are summed up in love thy neighbor. Why be good? Because of God's love and because of our salvation. Jesus said, greatest commandment, 
Love the Lord thy God of all heart, soul, mind, and strength. And seconds liken unto it. Love the neighbor as thyself. Way back in Deuteronomy and Leviticus it was first said, and that's where Jesus quoted it, that we need to love God and love others. Jesus demonstrated for it. And now Paul's telling us what love looks like. Romans chapter 14 and verse 15. First part of that verse says, For if your brothers are grieved by what you eat, you're no longer walking in love. If your brother's distressed because you act without regard to him, you're probably not motivated by love. When love leads, we know there are others to consider. We remember the words of Paul in Galatians chapter 5, 13, which says, You, my brothers, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom for selfish indulgence. Rather, serve one another in love. Doesn't that seem like a whole lot of trouble? I mean, to always have to consider others when you think about what you do and how it affects other people. You know what? You know, with a family, I don't always get to watch what I want to watch on the good TV. Sometimes the food network is on when I want to watch a ball game or Andy Griffith or something like that. My goodness. And I've, even though it's been on for years, I still can't imagine how they could have a 24-hour network just on how to cook food. You know, not so much now, but I used to get up at what I consider an ungodly hour just to get kids ready to go off to school. So many other things that perhaps that have changed because you've got a family. Would I trade it? Not on your life. I live better and I eat better because of my loving wife and my children and my wife bring more joy than I ever would have had without them. I gladly consider them because of love. When we let love lead, we gladly give up some of our privileges for the benefit of others. Another stepping stone is this, whoever serves Christ. Whoever serves Christ. Romans chapter 14 and verse 18 says, whoever thus serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. You will not go wrong. You will not hurt others by serving Christ. Then look at Romans chapter 14 and verse 17, the verse just above that. If the kingdom of God is not food or drink or things that might cause my brother to stumble, then what is it? Well, verse 17 tells us it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. They grow our relationships with God. They bring unity to our relationship with others. Consideration of others is a mark of Christianity and Christian character. Charles Spurgeon was one of the most famous preachers who ever lived in modern day. He was a great preacher of the 19th century. and Well known then, certainly still well known now. A lot of people that don't know this about him is that he loved to smoke cigars. One day he was walking down the street and he saw a sign that said, smoke the brand that Spurgeon smokes. And of course, in those days, I guess you could use somebody's name, perhaps, without asking, without permission. He decided right then, rumor has it, that he decided right then that he would not smoke another cigar because he wanted his life to be not about promoting cigars, but about promoting the kingdom. Righteousness, peace, and joy are the qualities that will build your family and church family and will draw the community of Christ. What are the stones, the pavers that will help others? Willing to sacrifice, we find in these verses. I've seen and heard others on more than one occasion. Someone who comes out of a life of alcoholism into a genuine faith in the Lord Jesus. And Jesus changes and transforms their life and they're growing in the Lord. They join a church and they become involved with a group of believers 
fellowshipping inside the church and sometimes outside the church. And some of those are social drinkers. The new believer coming out of alcoholism more than once offended, grieved, even sometimes disillusioned because of the urge of what one drink might do. And one of three things usually happens. We've seen all three happen. They drop out of church altogether, face their battles and their struggles without a church support group. They might find another church or group of believers with a little more strict view. Or sadly, it happens far too often, they turn back to alcohol, even as believers, and live like their old life. We can't make every decision for everybody in our lives, but we can help pave the way for others to follow God's path by being a stepping stone, willing to sacrifice. We often talk about, and we're just looking at examples in the Bible, we often talk about even alcohol. As well, there's no place it says for you to, to not drink alcohol, not to, uh, you know, just don't get drunk with wine. Romans 14, 21, however, says this, it's good neither to eat meat nor drink wine nor do anything by which your brother stumbles or is offended or is made weak. Now, I've got to tell you, it'd be easy for me to give up alcohol for others because I never started. Meat, on the other hand, that might be a little bit tougher. But Jesus was our greatest example. <laughs> Talk about one who was willing to sacrifice. He gave up all. Well, gave himself to be put on the sinner's cross to die for our sins so that we might be able to have life. We want to follow his example. So Paul paints the picture of the controversy that's happening there in Rome, and we've talked about that picture, but he doesn't leave us without painting a picture of what life should be in the church. Notice, if you would, Romans chapter 15, verses 5 and 6, also there on your screen, it says this, May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another, in accord with Christ Jesus, together that you might, with one voice, glorify God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, church, we're not there yet. But may we continue to strive to be that one voice, that glorifies our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ by everything that we say and all that we do and all that we represent and that cares and shows so much more love to others. And then there's one verse, Romans chapter 14 and verse 23, which is kind of a theme not only for what we're talking about today, but for this mini-series we're doing in Romans chapter 12 through 16. Here's Romans 14, 23, the last part. Here's how it says it in the message. If the way you live isn't consistent with what you believe, then it's wrong. Now this doesn't mean that if you don't feel it's a sin, it's not a sin. We don't define sin. God does in His Holy Word. But it does mean life with Jesus is different now. Because we have Jesus Christ, we must make up our mind. We must decide that we're going to, we're going to glorify God. We're going to care how our actions and our attitudes affect others. Do you know Jesus today? Do you know Him as Lord and Savior? Do you know the difference that He makes in your life? If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior today, it is my prayer that you not leave this place without placing your faith in Him, asking Christ to forgive you of all of your sins, and asking Jesus to be your Savior and Lord. Let's pray together.
Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for opportunity today to be able to come and to read your word, how it speaks to us. We pray, Father, that we might make the applications that were made for a first century church might be relevant for the 21st century church because we know that it is. And we pray, Father, and thank you that you'll continue to make application because of the Holy Spirit in our lives to be at work. Father, may we decide that we want to glorify God in all that we do. May we decide that we want to think about others and show that we care and want to help others along the way as well. We pray, Father, if there's one here that does not know you as Lord and Savior, that today might be the day of salvation. Thank you, Father, for your presence here with us. It's in Christ's name we lift these prayers. Amen. Would you stand, please? We're going to be singing our song of response, and as we do today... Pastor Dick and I are here at the front this morning. If you'd like to come and talk with one of us, we're going to give you that opportunity. If you'll come pray with us, you certainly can do that. If you're looking for a church home, look no further. Come on and make Parkway Baptist Church your church family according to the Lord's will and direction in your life. This is how we do it. You come toward the end, take one of our hands and let us know that you want to join the church. If you need to know Christ as your Lord and Savior, come and ask us and let us be able to share with you if you're unsure or unaware, or you've accepted Christ already, whether it was this morning or sometime in the past, but you need to make that public, come and let us know today. As we sing together, you come as the Lord leads.
My name is Grace Ann Coley and I'm one of the children's interns here at Parkway. This is an exciting week at Parkway as we have Fall Festival coming up Wednesday night from 6 to 8 p.m. here in the parking lot. Make sure to wear your favorite costume and come for a photo booth, hot dogs and cotton candy, and games and fun for the whole family. We are still in need of volunteers as we get ready for this event. We're having a service day on Tuesday from 9 a.m. to 12 noon or 3 p.m. to 7 p.m. to prepare for the event. We will have jobs for every skill level. We will also need help for setup day on Wednesday. If you're able to volunteer for any of these times, please let Sydney know. We are so excited for all the fun on Wednesday evening. See you there. I'm going to have Hugh and Julia Kincaid. This is Hugh and Julia Kincaid. Have them come stand right up here. It's my pleasure to be able to introduce them to you. They are new to Auburn and semi-new to Parkway. They've been coming for the last few weeks, and they're uh, coming by transfer of letter. We're excited, of course, that they have come. I was talking with them the other day, and I asked, I said, what brought you to Parkway? I said, was it, was it the preacher? They said, no, your wife invited us. So uh, certainly, well, whatever it takes. So keep inviting, and that's okay. We're glad, but uh, they're going to be standing around here down the front. You'll certainly want to greet them before you leave. But if you're glad that they have come, well, pray for them even now. Would you let it be known by the uplifted hand? Wonderful. Thank you so much. <clears throat> hey, you saw it on the video. Fall Festival is big here. Thousands and 1,500 people we expect here on Wednesday night. It's all hands on deck. You will not be excused. Come on, we need you. Uh, sign up, show up, whatever it is needed. Would you please stand and we'll have a closing prayer. Father God, we're thankful for our service today. Thank you for this couple who's come. May we be a church that helps them and many, many others to continue to grow in their faith, find their place serving you. We pray for a Sunday school hour, for 11 o'clock service, all activities today and this afternoon. Pray for a fall festival, Father, and we pray that we will be God's light on this uh, fall festival for other people to be able to see Jesus in us. Lift these prayers up in the precious name of Jesus. Amen and amen.